Now, it's time for the NSCAA podcast with Dean Linke. The National Soccer Coaches Association of America is the go-to resource for soccer coaches of any level. From advocacy, education, and networking, the NSCAA has something for everyone. Join the world's largest soccer coaches organization today. Now, here's our veteran soccer broadcaster, Dean Linke. I am Dean Linky, and happy holidays to each and every one of you. And what a gift the NSCAA has given me as I bring you not one, not two, not three, but four NSCAA gifts given as NSCAA podcasts covering the 2017 NSCAA convention being held in Los Angeles January 11th through 14th. There is still some space available at the convention, and you do not want to miss it. The presenters are off the charts, and it will be the place to be. Los Angeles, January 11 through 14, your home for the 2017 NSCA convention. So what's the goal of these four podcasts? Well, we want to give you a splash of what the convention is all about. We will open each show with a special guest. This week is the legendary USA and English Premier League goalkeeper Brad Friedel, who is now a U.S. soccer national team staff coach and a lead analyst for Fox Sports. He was, in fact, on the call for the MLS Cup a few weeks ago. The great Brad Frieda will be in Los Angeles at the convention, and he opens the show. Brad is followed up by Ian Barker, the five-year NSCAA Director of Coaching, who opens the convention Wednesday night with a field demo. Always love seeing Ian Barker open the convention show, and you'll love his visit. From there, we move to youth soccer, and U.S. Youth Soccer's technical director, Sam Snow, will break down his sessions and some other can't-miss programs at the convention for youth coaches. We move from youth to college, and actually to so much more when you think about our guest, Leslie Gallimore, who just finished her 23rd year as the head coach at the University of Washington in Seattle. Leslie is an NSCAA vice president, and in 2018, she will be the NSCAA president. She talks college soccer. She talks women in coaching. She talks inclusion. And she talks about the growth of the NSCAA and the convention, which will be in her hometown of Los Angeles. You will love my visit with Leslie. And we wrap it up with a look at the pro game, and we feature a former USA teammate of Brad Friedel, Jeff Agus. He's the vice president of competition at Major League Soccer, and he is part of an amazing panel on January 12th that is all about analytics and data in soccer. Analytics are taking over the game, and you will love Jeff Agus's take on his session and Major League Soccer's commitment to the NSCAA. So how's that for the first of four shows breaking down the 2017 convention in Los Angeles? Pretty nice gift, I think. Happy holidays. It's USA soccer legend Brad Friedel getting things started after this message. The NSCAA is 75 years strong and continues to provide quality service and benefits to soccer coaches. Whether you're a youth, high school, college, or professional coach, the NSCAA works to be a voice for you. Speaking of voice, once again, here's Dean Linky. We kick things off with the legendary Brad Friedel, one of the all-time great goalkeepers, not just for the USA, 
but for all of the land. Now does an amazing job on Fox. He's also a coach with the U.S. National Team Program. And here he is, Brad Friedel. Brad, thanks for being with us. My pleasure, Dean. Hope everything's going well. Well, it's going great. And, of course, we're coming out to what is now your hometown. I know you're from Ohio originally. I love that about you because I'm from Ohio. You're born on May 18. I'm born on May 18, but we'll get to that later. But here comes the NSCAA and the convention coming to Los Angeles. You're going to be there. We're still trying to figure out what day because your schedule is ever moving. But it's a thrill for the NSC to have you there, Brad. Why did you think it was important to be there? Well, I, w- I hadn't been there in so many so many years, and I, w- I I went last year and it just seems like it keeps growing and growing and growing. Um, and so many people from Europe attend the events now. And whether they're as a guest guest speakers or if they're going to learn something themselves. And it's one of those uh, unique moments in the U.S. soccer calendar where most people involved in the in the sport are in one area, and that doesn't happen with the size of our country. Well, you just got back from Costa Rica where you were with one of the youth national teams. Tell us what you were doing in Costa Rica, Brad. Yeah, so I was with uh, the under-20 national team because we're preparing for World Cup qualification that starts in February. So it is in Costa Rica, so we took a trip down there, played Costa Rica twice. We had uh, two decent results against them, but we wanted the players to go down there and get acclimated a little bit, staying in the same hotel, training at the same training facility. So when we do go down in February with the very meaningful games, uh, that they know what to expect. Flipping back to your career, you played well into your 40s. Talk about uh, that incredible run over in England, and how hard was it to finally hang them up, Brad? Because I've seen you. You look like you could still be playing. Yeah, I mean, at the end, it was easy to hang them up. I I think when I got to... 40 years of age and I signed for Tottenham, my mind was shifting a little bit to go to the coaching side of things. It, everything just fell into place. So I knew my first year what that I was signed to play, but I also knew that Tottenham was looking for a long-term number one goalkeeper and they found a tremendous one in uh, Hugo Lloris. So at that time, I had a meeting with John McDermott, who was the academy director, and I asked if he would help me out with my coaching licenses. And he was very, very welcoming. Um, and I was coaching in Tottenham's Academy with them for the bulk of that four years, so say three and a half years of my of my stay there. And I learned so much from John. And I was able to finish my UEFA B, my UEFA A, and then eventually my UEFA Pro license under uh, under his tutelage. So the end to hang him up, Dean, was 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 easy. I'd played enough, 44 years of age. Yes, I like staying fit, but no, I don't miss playing um, at this age. As far as how my career lasted so long. Um, a lot of it's down to luck. A lot of it's down to looking after yourself physically. I mean, I changed when I got to about 27, 28 years of age. I changed the way that I looked after my body. And you, know, you stop with the uh, the late nights out. You stop you stop playing hard off the field. Let's put it that way. And being a goalkeeper, mentally, if you want to carry on, if you're yourself physically fit, you can do it. Um, I think a lot of players get to a point in their career where mentally they don't want to carry on. And I just love the sport. I love the game. I love being involved with it now uh, as a coach. I like being involved with it now as a pundit. And I foresee myself being involved with it in the game till the day I die. Well, I love that, and I, I'm glad you mentioned the pundit side as well. You did an amazing job calling MLS Cup. You had the best seat in the house as well. I mean, is it both coach and pundit, or eventually you're going to have to make a decision, Brad? I mean, that just depends on... Uh, on how things transpire, I would assume at, at some stage I'll have to make a decision one or the other. But uh, until that time presents itself, I'll continue to do both. And I, I think everybody loves having you in the booth as well, and they love that you're back with U.S. soccer. Talk about uh, what that experience has meant to you, being a part of their national team coaching staff. The federation that I left, I think, back in 2004, completely different 
to the federation that's here now as our sport's grown so much. Tab Ramos has been uh, tremendous to myself. Um, we've been working together now for, for a couple of years. And uh, when he asked if I would want to take the under-19 team, um, I was honored. And it's a, a privilege to be able to coach the United States at any level. Um, the learning the learning experience that I'm getting, plus I think also the knowledge that I can give to the, the players and and to the, the board in, in general, um, is it works very well in both ways. And, and I myself, I learn a lot from from the likes of your Sean Sakaris, John Hackworth, and Dave Vandenberg, and Clint P.A., and Omi Namaz, or all the other coaches at the various age groups, because we all have to look look at players, see how we can develop them as national team players. We obviously don't develop them on a day-to-day basis, so our job is to get them to become internationals and try to get up into the age groups above us and hopefully become senior national team players. And I've enjoyed every second of it. I really have. I mean, that, not every day of, of any job is 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 perfect that's for sure but i can say it's the uh being involved in soccer and with u.s soccer federation and coaching um the worst day of that is still a very very good day turning back to the convention as we wrap up what has been a great conversation with brad frito one of the all-time great goalkeepers to ever play the game as you think about uh, two or three points that you definitely want to share either in your one-on-one session or just walking about at the convention what are some key messages you want to share brad I'm always interested in what people are thinking about what, what the knowledge of my experiences that I've had. It's because I, I am like a sponge myself, and I, I can go and speak to someone who coaches a U12 team and get something from that. And, um, when, when the sessions like this turn into a Q&A, I don't know what to expect, but I welcome any kind of question, and I'll answer it as, as openly as I, as I possibly can. So I, when I go to when I went last year, I, I did not know what to expect. This year, now I obviously know the lay of the land a little bit more. But I'll just be interested in in hearing what people have to say. I'd like to hear what their views are on the national team progress because I I know that we have taken huge strides. I've played with and amongst the very best for many many years, and we have some tremendous talent um, in the U.S. national team program. And I like. I like to hear the criticisms, and I like to hear the the optimistic views. I like to hear them all, and then I take everything that I hear gather, and I'll take it back home, and and then I'll um, make my own decisions and judgments, and and work from there. But I, I like to hear and see what people think from, and it's it's amazing how different it is because someone in Florida will have different issues than they'll have in Arizona as opposed to New York, and one thing that is very very different with our country than any other country. Um, especially European countries, is the size. It's very difficult to run things like somebody else in Europe would do. So it, a lot of times when someone says, yeah, we need to be on this calendar or we need to do, or we need to run things like this, it just simply can't because of the size of our country. Mm. Um, so uh, it, I, I'm just looking forward to going there and hearing the, the ideas and the views of, of many, many people. And, and hopefully what I can take back from that will then be able to allow me to make my players that I have in camp better. Finally, we end with the notion of born in Ohio, outside of Cleveland, I believe, 40-some years ago, to the World Cup stage, to the English Premier League. What does your family and friends, I mean, when they reflect on this young man from Ohio, who, by the way, was a big-time basketball player as well, when they kind of reflect on it, they say, wow, what a run for you. Do they talk about it at all? I think that, that sort of nostalgia is gone now. I, you know, I, I think when, when I left, and first came back, and uh, we won a national championship with UCLA. People were a little bit 
surprise. And then 92 Olympics, they're like, whoa, this is getting serious. Um, I think by the time, like, my 10th or 11th year over in Europe, it got really exciting for a while, and then it just became the norm. But I, I don't think, you know, again, if anyone looked at my development pathway, it is not the norm. I mean, I played, I, you, you just mentioned, I played basketball, I played ice hockey, I played tennis, and the fact that I chose soccer, it wasn't a certainty. You know, I'd gotten scholarship offers for the other sports and colleges as well. So uh, it, it was a lot of luck that led me to this to this uh, career that I've had. But I've enjoyed every single minute of it, and I chose uh, I chose the right sport, and it's the one that was in my uh, in my veins from the start. Brad Friedel, Bay Village, Ohio, big difference, no doubt. Brad, incredible to follow your career. It was great to be with you in Barcelona, and then the '94 team, and then what is really the takeoff of Brad Friedel. Now to sit back and and watch you as a pundit and as a coach it's a it's a real honor brad you deserve all the success you're getting and i look forward to seeing you in los angeles at the nscaa convention like my scene look forward to seeing you when you join the national soccer coaches association of america you join a community who live and breathe the beautiful game just like you do you join a network of individuals who share many of the same issues, concerns, and questions as you. The NSCAA is dedicated to serving coaches at every level of the game in a number of ways through advocacy, education, and service. Be a part of the coaching community. Learn more and join at NSCAA.com. What a great way to start with Brad Friedel, the legendary goalkeeper for the USA, one of the best in the world. He will be at the 2017 NSCA convention. Not quite sure when he's going to be there, but we know he's going to be there. One person that will be omnipresent. He will be everywhere. Ian Barker, the fifth year director of coaching for the NSCAA. There was no way we were going to open up this first show without Ian on the program. Ian, thanks for being with us. Dean, you're very welcome. Ian, I love the start of the NSCA convention. And I truly love it because it's very stately. It's England-like. And here you are, Ian Barker. You've got that first session. Tell us what you're covering on that Wednesday night. For me, it's always a can't-miss session. Well, thank you for that. It's very England in as much as it's uh, my English accent. (laughs) I've uh, lived in this country and coached for 30 years, so I think I'm very much the American coach, uh, but with an English flavor. When I I put the session together, uh, knowing that it's the only session that people can attend, Uh, at the opening session, what I try to do is do something with quite a number of activities that people can take back to their clubs or their training environment. I'm certainly not, in my opinion, the level of a master coach like Dick Bates, so I try not to get into a tremendous amount of minutiae, but rather try to cover a number of things with a broad uh, stroke. So somebody uh, with a lot of experience, I think, will still be able to get some nuggets out of it methodologically, uh, organizationally, communication. And then the majority of the coaches who are perhaps a little bit less experienced than myself will be able to see not only the method and the organization, but also the uh, the training games and the the activities, because I find that a lot of the attendees at the convention are really coming for more training activities. So that's what I like to hit in the first session. Now, as part of that first session, there's also a handoff with Sam Snow, the technical director for U.S. Youth Soccer. That collaboration has worked well over the last couple of years. My roots are very much in U.S. Youth Soccer, having been the state director for Minnesota for 10 years, and I'm still active in the Olympic Development Program at a regional level. And the collaboration with Sam is always strong, because Sam is a gentleman, a very good coach, um, and has worked very hard for USC soccer. And so it seems very fitting that on the opening night, in addition to a couple of headline presenters, the NSCAA and the 
U.S. Youth Soccer technical directors get to present in those early sessions. It just seems like a very natural fit. Well, that's just day one. Then we've got Thursday and Friday and even Saturday packed and then packed some more. Some other sessions that you're going to be involved in or along those lines, maybe better word, and what are some other sessions we need to know about? This year... For the second year, we're going to have a third demo space, and I will be in that demo space most of the Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. We're hoping to have a futsal court type environment and do some smaller stuff. And the stuff we do there will lead to a event diploma so people can walk away with a professional uh, development certificate uh, that then maybe they can go back and get compensated for their time there by their athletic directors or their clubs. So I'm going to be in that third space a lot of the time. When I'm not in that third space, in addition to some classroom presentations, I try to get to a few presentations. A person that I always enjoy watching is Romeo Jozak from the Croatian Football Federation. He has become a friend and a colleague and um, a really a really big name at our convention. Also, though, along with the DFB and Chelsea and Celtic and maybe the Mexican Football Federation, there are so many top-quality American presenters uh, from the college ranks, from the pro ranks of MLS, NWSL, USL, and then, of course, some of the NSCA Coaching Academy staff who are uh, full-time coaches and then educators for the NSCAA. I really like to make sure I celebrate the best of America uh, American soccer as much as our international guests. And I think anybody attending convention should make sure they see some of the U.S. grounded sessions as much as the uh, foreign guests. I'm not surprised you said that. One of the more moving comments you made during the NSCAA College Soccer Podcast season was the fact that, yeah, hey, I'll keep my eye on the D1 level, but I'm really interested in what's going on at D2, D3, NAI, and everything else. And Leslie Gallimore even said, you know what, when Ian Barker comes on, I bet you he's going to talk about inclusion as well. Women, LGBT, every single level. The NSCAA is opening their arms, Ian Barker. Yeah, I think um, it's very easy to make a gesture in, in inclusion and diversity. I think it's a little bit more difficult to actually follow through. But what I've seen in my five years with the NSCAA is that the attempt to include more people has been very sincere. One of the programs I particularly celebrate is our 30 Under 30 initiative, where we take 30 coaches under 30 each year and try to give them some extra mentoring and extra support as they begin their coaching uh, careers. So I think that's a very strong program. We've definitely seen not only more presentations from women's college soccer, but by female coaches. And our international audience is quite diverse as well in terms of uh, different confederations, different uh, genders, and just a different vibe. So you can never satisfy everybody, and you have to be careful to be sincere about your intentions. But I do think the NSCA is doing a good job in that regard. You're hearing the wonderful voice of Ian Barker with the NSCAA. What about the intentions to head west and go to Los Angeles? Why was that important to do, Ian Barker? The decision was made well before my time because we project the convention out many years in advance. So we actually know where we're going in 2023, uh, if anybody could believe that. So LA was uh, was on the books when I joined the company or the organization in uh, 2012. Definitely, we have a um, very large membership base uh, in good part because of our relationship with uh, Cal South US Youth Soccer. And so obviously those people, um, those, those members, it's tough when we're always in Baltimore and Philadelphia, maybe Indianapolis. So I think there was a, a desire to, to satisfy the enthusiasm of our current members as much as grow new membership base. The Southern California people have been fantastic. The LOC, uh, the clubs that have got behind us as we've planned. 
and Northern California, Oregon, Washington are, are pretty obvious supporting states. But we found that we've got really good pickup in Utah, uh, in Arizona, in New Mexico. So it definitely seems like uh, what we might consider Region 4, the far west, has seen this as an opportunity which maybe is a little bit more affordable than uh, the traditional, more East Coast-based uh, conventions. When we think about the convention, when we think about the NSCAA, Ian Barker, we think about learning and sharing, sharing and learning. Man, is that ever on display at the convention? Yes, it's something I'm very proud of. I found that over the last four or five years, our international guests have been incredibly respectful of U.S. soccer, uh, the convention, and what we do. Um, I find that our international guests are far less looking to see what they can get out of America, uh, American soccer, but much more willing to collaborate and share. One of the things, though, that I think is fantastic for anybody who's ever been to the convention can attest to this, that it's possible to walk down the corridor as maybe a club coach or a high school coach and stop Anson Dorrance and take a photo or shake hands with Tony DiCicco. And I've certainly been in the presence of Jurgen Klinsmann before when he's been incredibly accessible to audiences, and I certainly know that Bruce is like that and Jill Ellis is like that. So one of the great things about American soccer and U.S. soccer coaching community is that whilst there are certain people at the very top of the tree and other people at the grassroots, you can access the people at the top of the tree and they'll treat you with respect. There is um, a very unique level of respect within the U.S. soccer community which doesn't exist in some other places I've been. Finally, Ian, for those coaches that are listening right now that have not yet pulled the trigger on being at the convention, why should they head right to the computer and sign up? Well, certainly what they can see on the website is good to go. The presenters, the, the volume and the, the depth of content. But more than anything, at this time of year when often our seasons are kind of wound down, be they high school, college, youth club, there's nothing like getting this sort of adrenaline boost. So even if you're tired at the end of your season, if you can make it to convention and you pace yourself uh, socially as well as educationally, if you pace yourself, um, you come out of convention invigorated, refreshed, with great new ideas and enthusiasm for your next preseason. And what often happens with us is we leave one season, we kind of hibernate, and then we almost dread the start of the next preseason. And what convention does, certainly for me, and I know for a number of my colleagues, is it's like this adrenaline shot and it actually keeps us going through the winter months and I think it's something that, that coaches should consider if they just want a total immersion in soccer for anywhere from two to five days. Ian Barker, Director of Coaching, Technical Director, any way you look at it, he's got his hand on the pulse of the NSCAA and their coaching education. He will be the man about town in Los Angeles. Can't wait for that opening stately presentation, as we said off the top. And Ian, always a pleasure. Couldn't think of having anybody else to start uh, this first of four. Thanks for being with us, Ian. Hey, Dean, you're always welcome. Thanks for having me. The 2017 NSCAA convention will be unlike any before. Taking over the downtown Los Angeles Convention Center January 11th through 15th. Network with over 11,000 peers at one of the education sessions, the extensive exhibit hall, or one of many social functions, including the college coaches reception and the All-American Luncheon. With more space and unique experiences, you won't want to miss out on the largest gathering of soccer coaches and administrators in the world. Register today at NSCAA.com. Now we move to the youth side as coverage of the 2017 NSCA convention. The first of four shows all about the convention leading right up to the Wednesday of 
the convention. And on the youth side, we're pleased to be joined by the technical director for U.S. Youth Soccer, Sam Snow, a longtime, longtime friend of the NSCAA. Sam, thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you, Dean. I, I appreciate it. And, and I think there was one too many longs in that intro. I've, I'm sorry about that. I meant it endearingly, <laughs> I promise you. Um, but you're right. I'll try to eliminate one of those longs next time I see you. But Sam, great to have you on the Thank program. You. How long have you been with uh, U.S. Youth Soccer, by the way? I started uh, in 2003. Fantastic. And tell us a little bit uh, what you did before that, Sam. Remind everybody. I was the technical director for Louisiana soccer for 10 years. Prior to that, I was a college coach in Central Florida at Florida Southern College, and then also at, or and prior to that, as a graduate assistant coach at my um, master's degree uh, alma mater, the University of South Florida, and I uh, did a little bit of uh, high school coaching in Virginia when I first got out of college. So. That's uh, kind of the pathway, as well as uh, doing, throughout all of those years, uh, work with the Olympic Development Program and with uh, coaching courses. Indeed, Sam. And since uh, you've been there since the early 2000s, you were a part of this kind of unification with the NSCA convention and U.S. youth soccer. It happened a few years ago. Talk about how that's been going. It's been going well. It, it certainly has been going great for coaches in particular, who often were working in clubs or either full-time or they were a high school and college coach and also worked at a club uh, part-time. And for a lot of those coaches, the choice or having to make the choice between going to one or the other, perhaps not being able to afford to go to both when our workshop was a separate event from the convention. So it's, it's helped them a lot. And I think it's done a good job for our referees and administrators. That's one of the pieces that is a little bit different about the workshop compared to the NSA convention is that we have education sessions for referees, obviously focused on the youth game from 19 on down, but also for administrators working in youth soccer. So we have three groups that we target as far as our education is concerned, the coaches, the administrators, and the referees. So for the referees and the administrators, I think it's been a wonderful thing also of merging with the NSAA convention and their connections within the the soccer world. So I think it's been a good thing all the way around. All right, well said. Okay, now you're going to actually run a couple sessions Tell us when they are, what they're called, and what we can expect with the two sessions you're going to run. I am doing a demonstration session on uh, Wednesday evening, the 11th of January. So Ian Barker will go first and and then myself. And so one of the things that we in the NSA decided uh, quite a few years ago was that as we merged the two events, we wanted to open up uh, as far as the demo sessions are concerned with with those two groups. Uh, so Ian goes and I go, and then uh, there'll be other uh, demo sessions on Wednesday evening. My session is early on Wednesday evening, 6, 6.30. It's an hour-long session, and it's called Triangles, Build-Out Lines, and Other Ten-Year-Old Stuff. And the intent behind it is predominantly to use the new set of modified plane rules that we have for the 10- and 9-year-old age groups playing seven aside, and one of those new rules is the build-out line. And the defending team has to drop off. How now does the attacking team use that little bit of extra space, whether it be from a goalkeeper's distribution or a goal kick, to now build the attack up and not just boot the ball downfield? So for a lot of our clubs across the country, this is a new piece. They might have attempted to try to teach 9- and 10-year-old kids to 
keep possession and, and build up out of the back. But now we have a formal rule that helps to put it into place. So we're going to run a session where we will play by all of those new playing rules and demonstrate some ideas as to how to teach uh, kids that age uh, about how to use the build-out line and how to use it to get their attack going with a lot of emphasis for that age group and, and, and an integral part, I think, tactically of, of using the build-out option is uh, how do you get yourself into triangles, and that's actually a big piece conceptually for 9- and 10-year-old kids uh, to, they can conceive a, a, a triangle, but to be able to execute it and play passes within it, move as a triangle upfield, reform triangles as the ball and players move around, that's how they're going to be able to use the build-out space and now be able to move upfield together. So that's the, the hopefully uh, achieved goal by the end of that hour. Uh, we'll see how we do in that in an hour's time, but uh, that's the idea behind that particular session. The session that I'm going to do will be on Thursday, the 12th. It's going to be in room 501A, and that is on small-sided games, a new era. And I did a session last year on small-sided games and the fact that with the U.S. Soccer Player Development Initiative, we were going to all across the country, small-sided games with kids in Zone 1, Zone 1 being children 12 and younger. This year, we'll, we'll touch on that. That's the reality for everybody by August of 2017. That is, all youth members of U.S. soccer by August 2017 must be playing small-sided games, must be playing by the new set of rules. Some clubs and leagues are already doing that, but not 100%. So we will take this session to talk about that uh, piece of evolving uh, into this new era for us, but also to talk about the new set of playing rules, which have just uh, gone into effect and will be in full effect uh, this coming August. So that's the, the objective behind those two sessions. Well done, Sam. Outstanding breakdown. As you take a look at the NSCA convention, what are one or two other sessions that are can't miss from your perspective, particularly as it relates to youth coaches? I like uh, a number of the sessions that USU Soccer's putting on, as well as the NSCAA. Uh, i, I got to tell you, first off, Dean, that it's been a wonderful cooperative effort between the two organizations as to how do we provide a, an array of uh, education sessions for coaches that are now fully uh, encompassing from uh, under six soccer to college soccer, and uh, it, it's a really nice piece. So uh, they will have a, a number of sessions uh, going on that hits uh, – the, the youth player, uh, as, as well as USU Soccer, doing that in our workshop session. But one of the ones that I think that will, will cut across uh, all of the age groups and be a great deal of uh, interest to coaches of, of any age and level of play is one that we have going on called Sleep Hygiene for Optimizing Recovery. And that's being presented by Dr. Kenneth Vital. Uh, he's an associate clinical professor at uh, University of California, San Diego. He is on the sports medicine committee for the United States Olympic Committee. So he's going to talk about the importance of sleep as part of the regeneration process, part of the whole process for high-performance athletes. So whether you're coaching, again, a bunch of six-year-olds or a bunch of college players, uh, we all know that nutrition and hydration is a really important piece. We know that the proper methods of physical fitness development and, and recuperation uh, is important there, but we sometimes, coaches and players, 
overlooked the importance of sleep as a part of the uh, not only regeneration, recuperation process, but also how it directly impacts high performance uh, come game day. So I would encourage coaches to come to that uh, session. It's 12.45 to 2 o'clock on Thursday, the 12th of January, with Dr. Vital on sleep hygiene. Sam Snow, the technical director for U.S. Youth Soccer. Cannot wait to see you in Los Angeles. Outstanding breakdown, Sam. Phenomenal, by the way. It's plug and play. I can't wait to see you on opening night as well. Sam, thanks for being part of the NSCAA Convention podcast. Thank you, Dean. I appreciate the time. The NSCAA is 75 years strong and continues to provide quality service and benefits to soccer coaches. Whether you're a youth, high school, college, or professional coach, the NSCAA works to be a voice for you. Speaking of voice, once again, here's Dean Linky. Rolling right along. What a great show we've got for you today. The first of four NSCAA podcasts covering the 2017 NSCAA convention exclusively. And as we told you to start, we've got a special guest, an NCAA guest. We're covering pro youth. We're also covering college, and we're going to mix in some extra special attention to female coaches as well. And we'll do that with one of the most legendary female coaches out there. Leslie Gallimore just completed her 23rd, count it, 23rd season at the University of Washington Husky Pride. She's also a vice president with the NSCAA. And guess what, folks? She'll be the president of the NSCAA in 2018. So make sure you're extra special nice to Leslie Gallimore. Leslie, thanks for being with us. No problem. Well, delighted to have you. And we're fired up for the convention in Los Angeles. Our guest is, uh, you're going to hear as well, Leslie, are also fired up. But uh, I've got you on for multiple reasons. Really, I guess three. You're a vice president for the NSCAA. You're a legend in the college game. And you're a mover and shaker when it comes to females in coaching as well. Let's start with the college game as well. There'll be the social on Thursday night. The NSCAA honors the best college coaches on Friday night. There'll be tons of sessions as well. College soccer is covered up big time at the convention, right, Leslie? It is. I mean, we have clinicians, we have events for college coaches, and, you know, it's out in sunny L.A., fingers crossed it's not the one day of the year they get rain but uh, I think having it on the west coast is going to provide my hometown anyway it's going to provide a unique environment and a unique situation for the convention since we haven't been there before but as far as the college game is concerned uh, you know college coaches you know when they come together at the convention it really is a great time one to have their conference meetings but to network to um, to socialize and also to kind of delve into what the association means to the college game as far as college coaches being members. So I think that's something that our, our CEO, Lynn Burley Manuel, has really paid attention to over this last year and a half has been what better services as an association we can provide to our college members. And I think that's a big hot topic. Yeah, and it's not just for D1. It's for every single level, which was part of the focus of the podcast this year, the College Soccer Podcast, which just wrapped up every level, including junior college and AIA, right, Leslie? Correct. Every, everything. Men, women, junior college, NAIA, all the three divisions of the men's and women's college game. So it's, it is, it's, I mean, we, it's inclusive. This, this association has not just with college coaches, but all soccer coaches has it covered. When you think about women's soccer, college soccer, you think about the parity this year, USC winning it with Kadani McElpine uh, in your conference as well. I mean, the parity in the women's college game has never been more powerful, I don't think. No, I think it's great. We've had multiple new champions over the last several years, and 
Um, you know, our conference, the Pac-12, winning it on the men's and women's side was obviously great for the Pac-12, but so many other teams that were competing were, you know, newer names that, that have been good for years, but the West, Virgin- the West Virginias, the um, Georgetown getting in there, Dave's done a great job with his program in Georgetown. So it's, uh, it's just fun to see. I mean, it, it's one of those things, if you step back and you look at it over time, we really have had, um, you know, one, a great number of resources and time and energy put into college soccer, but at the same time, it, it, it's changed over the years as far as there is parity there. There is, you know, that opportunity for more than just two or three or a handful of programs to succeed, which is great to see. I think we can also agree there still are not enough women leading major programs as well. And that's been a focus of the NSCAA as they open their arms to more women getting involved in coaching. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, this is something over the last you know, a few years. It's a million-dollar question. Why aren't more women coaching at the youth level? Why aren't at the high youth levels? Why aren't there more women involved um, in college coaching? And and it's. I don't think there's an easy answer, but it's definitely some, the question we have to keep asking and looking for answers to. And one of my, um, you know, I, I would say it's not an initiative, but one of my life goals is to continue to mentor. Um, and put women coaches out there in the world, however that is, if it's through former players of mine or associates or people I have run through the coaching schools at U.S. Soccer that I meet and get to know and get to watch work and trying to encourage and mentor mentor them into um, staying in the game at whatever level. So uh, we have to do more of that. Make no mistake, at the convention, there will be all kinds of forums for this topic. Actually, Goal Nation, in uh, conjunction with the NSCAA, is kicking off on the 10th of January, right before the convention opens with a women in soccer symposium. It's the second year that Diana Scavuzzo and others have led the charge to get uh, speakers in in, in a symposium sort of atmosphere to discuss different aspects of uh, the women's game, from administrative to coaching to refereeing, and and just this, how we grow the game, and at the same time, how we uh, encourage and mentor more female coaches uh, to be involved and stay involved. One of the things you also do as part of this movement is you recognize women who are making a difference over the years, some powerful people being recognized. I think this year, Marsha McDermott and some other big names will also be recognized, correct? Yeah, the women's breakfast has really grown. I don't know which breakfast this is. It's probably getting up there towards 20. Um, the women's membership group and uh, within the NSCA has recognized a, basically an award of excellence. And this year, the winner is Marsha McDermott, who has also been the president of the NSCAA, who's been a stalwart in women's soccer from the time she played at Carolina through her coaching career. Now she's the head coach at Army, you know, which is impressive for a female to lead a military academy. She and Karen Gabera both do that with Navy and Army. And, and so it's it's great. And, and the breakfast itself, well, there'll be some other recognitions that go um, on there and take place. And I think Julie Foudy slated to be the keynote speaker. So there'll be some impressive women that are very, very accomplished to speak to the group. Indeed. You mentioned Marsha McDermott as president. We've already said in two years, you'll be the president. What will that mean to you, Leslie? Well, I better start paying attention in this next year while Charlie Slagle is the president, so I know what to do in 2018. But I've had a, a lot of great presidents come before me while I've been on the board um, in George Perry and Mike Jacobs. And Jack Huckle was the outgoing president. And this last year, we've had uh, another female president in Amanda Vandevoort, who, um, as a lot of people know, works with the MLS, and she's she's been tremendous. Um, we have a female CEO in Lynn Burling, who's come on board since my time on the board, and so I have a lot of great role models and people to look to um, to make sure that, that uh, I'm not just sitting on the board, that I'm active on the board. And this year, one of the things that I was charged with was starting a new committee 
working committee on our board, which is called the Elections and Nominations Committee. So this year's elections are run a little bit differently than they have been in the past, and we're hoping to generate a lot of excitement around them. We've already have more candidates on the ballot for secretary to come on to this six-year commitment as a board member. And I think it's, gonna, it's a diverse group that's running. The four candidates have varied backgrounds, and I think it's going to be great for them to campaign and leading up to the convention, and hopefully we get a lot of members voting. All four of those candidates will be on next week's show as well as we walk up to the convention. And we've touched on it already, inclusivity, the LGBT movement now also big for Lynn Burling Manuel and the NSCAA. Yeah, I think um, in general, you know, in the world, we've we've needed more inclusion and less exclu- less exclusion. And I think this initiative... Um, and Ian Barker will probably be on to talk about it a little bit. But Dan Woog has been a big advocate as a membership chair to make sure that we do have inclusivity. And I think the NSCA leading the charge in this as far as coaching education is a great step forward. Dan Woog, big fan of his, known him forever, way back in the Soccer yep. America days. I love that uh, you mentioned his yeah, there's name. A lot of, there's a lot of old-time connections. Oh, there are. All right. Okay, so the convention's coming up, as we know, January 11th through the 14th. What are you most looking forward to, Leslie? Just the whole thing. You know, you get to see people off the soccer field that you haven't seen in a while. You get to learn from uh, different people from different levels. There's a lot of international things involving the international game. Um, Our association has definitely branched out um, outside of our own borders, which is always great for the game. And I just look forward to a time where people come together for one reason, it's because they're passionate about soccer. And it's, it's a good time. I am looking forward to having the convention in my hometown in Los Angeles and having the convention be successful on the West Coast is huge so we can get back out there more often. And it started out in the Northeast, and I think it's because it's so drivable for so many people in so many states that it makes it appealing to have it out there more often than not. I mean, it makes financial sense, but to have it on the West Coast every now and again is, uh, I think it's a must for our association. Wearing multiple hats, covering multiple topics, the president in 2018, Leslie Alamore just completed her 23rd season at the University of Washington. Leslie, I close by wishing you and the Huskies the best of luck against Nick Saban and Alabama and the football college playoffs. Certainly exciting time over the holidays, right? Yeah, it is. And uh, speaking of women, we have a new female athletic director and a new female president at the University of Washington. So I just want to give them a plug in that they're kind of the, the new power power couple in Division One athletics. And it's been fun to see the success of our overall program. And I think we're We're on the rise in a number of ways, so uh, I'm going to tip the hat to those two and and hope that we can pull off an upset against the Crimson Tide. But it's certainly uh, a fun time, and and with soccer, you know, the future is looking bright in every aspect, and I think you're going to see some great things coming down the pike with the NSCAA with some – some changes as our association grows, and it's really fun to be a part of, and I'm looking forward to my presidency in 2018. Can't wait for that. Can't wait for the convention as well. Coming up in Leslie Gallimore's hometown, January 11 through 14, Leslie Gallimore. She is a stalwart with the NSCAA and in soccer in general. Happy holidays, Leslie. Thanks for being on the NSCAA convention podcast. Thanks, Dean. Happy holidays to you as well. By being a member of the NSCAA, you are a part of the world's largest network of soccer coaches. Here, you can find like-minded people passionate about bettering themselves to help better their players and ultimately to better the game. I am Dean Linky, thrilled to be joined by one of my all-time favorites to wear the USA uniform. We were together a long time in Mission Viejo talking about Jeff Agus, a two-time World Cupper, long-time Major League Soccer, and now a big-timer with MLS. Jeff Agus, thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks, Dean. Looking forward to it. VP of competitions for Major League Soccer. What does that mean exactly? Well, that's usually the second question when I when I give my title. The short answer is that 
the competition department is responsible for everything that happens inside the white line. So everything from first team policy, some player development issues, uh, officiating. Essentially, on a Monday or Tuesday, we become the uh, head of consumer complaints, so to speak. So we oversee the disciplinary committee on a number of, uh, of issues. Ultimately, we're tasked with improving the, the product. Well said, Jeff. I don't know if you know this or not, but I was actually the first director of communications for Major League Soccer. So right after the 94 World Cup, I moved up to Century City and for two years at all the press conferences. And then when Colorado was named, I joined the Colorado Rapids as the assistant GM and did their TV. So, you know, that was back in the day when we had to trot out uh, the village people to get 25,000 people to attend Mile High Stadium. (laughs) It's different now, you know. I mean, 20 years later, it's simply amazing. And you've had a front row seat. Talk about the amazing growth. It's been incredible. Um, You know, to to look back when we started in 1996 and think about where we are in in 2016, coming up on 2017 after only 21 years, it's just incredible. We've we've had tremendous growth going from 10 teams uh, at the start of 1996 to now we're upwards of 22 teams on the pathway to 28. Diverse set of very committed owners. We have great fans. Our players continue to improve. There is incredible relevance in the marketplace. You look at what happened uh, this past couple weeks when the parade in Seattle. You look at uh, a lot of our clubs just in terms of being on the front page of of different uh, sports uh, papers in their local local towns, local communities. It's just incredible, and and I'm really excited. That being said, we still have a very long way to go, and and, uh, we're committed to being one of the best leagues in the world. Early on, the NSCAA was committed to joining forces with Major League Soccer, opening the doors to have the draft and other outstanding events. And I think that relationship continues to be strong. And the NSCA continues to reach out to Major League Soccer to be presenters, be clinicians, hold forums. And that's why you're on today. Jeff Agus, you're going to have a special session talking analytics. And it doesn't have to be at the pro level when you're thinking about analytics. It's taking over college soccer, probably working its way into youth soccer as well. Tell us about the session that you'll be a part of, Jeff. Yeah, we're going to be doing a panel. Uh, uh, David Tenney, who is the chair for a newly created uh, data and sports science subcommittee in MLS, and Devin Ploiler, who's the, the vice chair of that, of that co- uh, subcommittee, are going to sit on a panel. We'll have a couple other people on as well. And essentially, we're going to try to uh, speak about what type of analytics um, teams use now, uh, how analytics are important um, at a very broad or macro level, uh, at least from the league standpoint, you know, we're looking at different things like how does temperature affect performance or, or how does travel affect performance? What about altitude or, or playing surface? But we're, we're always looking to try to understand how different effects come into play and affect performance of our players and our clubs. Different times of the season, we look at analytics as an important piece of that, although it is just a piece. Uh, you have to be able to combine you know, those objective metrics with, with some subjectivity and, and some uh, pure doubting or, or evaluation. So um, you have to marry those two together. We understand that, but we do think analytics have a, a real place in our game. And we're seeing a lot of our clubs really make a strong investment in analytics over the past uh, five or ten years in MLS, you see both uh, uh, Seattle and Toronto, who were in MLS Cup uh, this this past uh, December, have a very strong base and hire uh, people who are specific to that discipline, uh, really ramping up uh, analytics in, in, in soccer and in the field. In its simplest form, Jeff Agus, it's changed the way coaches approach coaching their teams, right? 
It, it does. I, you know, I, it, it, different coaches look at it in different ways and use it for different things. Uh, but even at the very base root where you have a coach who, who just evaluates a player on his um, you know, sight unseen or he evaluates him in a video, he's doing some of those analytics in the background. He's looking at the player and determining, well, how is this first touch? Well, you, can, you, can, you can analyze that. You can see how far his first touch is away from him, how quick the player is, uh, whether the player is, is uh, resilient over the course of a game or over the course of a season. All of those things can be measured. Again, I want to really stress that even though you have those measurements, you have to combine some level of subjectivity into, the, into those analytics and into those uh, benchmarking because you can't decide on, on your analytics. Uh, otherwise, uh, it, it's, it's going to take all of your data and move it into a di- different, uh, different area. So I think it, combining subjective and objective metrics makes a lot of sense. And I think see, a lot of the younger coaches who are coming up uh, using analytics in, in MLS, I know – a lot of the NCAA coaches are using analytics. I know George Gelnovich of Virginia uh, hired an, an analytics uh, expert to help him uh, when they won the championship a couple years ago. So I know, I know it's uh, a prep soccer, and I can only think it's going to grow. 345 to 445 on Thursday, January 12th. is called The Evolution of Data and Analytics in MLS. David Tenney, Sports Science and Performance Manager for the Seattle Sounders. Oliver Gage, Performance Analyst, Houston Dynamo. Devin Pluler, Manager of Analytics, Toronto FC. Stuart Mayers, Director of Soccer Strategy, D.C. United, and the man we're speaking to, Jeff Agus, the Vice President of Competition for Major League Soccer. I started my first couple questions talking about that commitment, that partnership with the NSCAA. Major League Soccer really has opened their arms to the NSCAA and vice versa, right, Jeff? Absolutely. We, we see the NSCAA and we see college as an important part of, of MLS. Certainly, a lot of players have come from the college game in the, in the early part of, of the league, in, in the early 90s or the late 90s and, and early 2000s, uh, we still think there's a, a real place for uh, our, our combine and our draft. And, and uh, we think that, that that relationship with the NSCAA uh, is a good one. We want to continue to keep it strong. Jeff, you've had a lot of great moments. Talked about the two World Cups, the long time in Major League Soccer, great success at Virginia. What's been your favorite moment so far, either on the field or off the field? Yeah, I'm very lucky to have a lot of um, different moments um, and a lot of firsts. You know, uh, my first game with the national team, my 100th game with the national team are certainly ones. I played in uh, the Nelson Mandela farewell game uh, in South Africa, and I'll always remember that and some of the just incredible teammates I had from around the world. Uh, Obviously, the championship in 96, but, you know, I had four other championships in in MLS, and, and so those were all very special. But the things I always come back to and the things that I think I'll always take with me are the relationships I've had over the course of my career, you know, the relationship with with, with team administrators, with different people from around our teams, um, our presidents, coaches, teammates, those are all incredibly special. All right, well said. I look forward to this session. It's uh Thursday, January 12th, 3.45 to 4.45, the evolution of data and analytics in MLS. Jeff, I can pretty much guarantee you that room's going to be packed. You know it, right? <laughs> well, if uh, I think if we're, if we're giving money away, it may be packed, but we <laughs> hope there's going to be a large contingency there. We think it's going to be a very interesting conversation. I think the, the, the group, 
on the panel is looking forward to it just to see what types of questions there are out there. And we're going to have fun. I think ultimately it's going to be an enjoyable time. Jeff Agus, of vice president with Major League Soccer. Thanks for being part of the NSCAA podcast. Thanks, Dean. I appreciate you having me on. Great work from Jeff Agus and all of our guests, the legendary USA superstar Brad Friedel, the director of coaching for the NSCAA, Ian Barker, U.S. Youth Soccer's technical director, Sam Snow, 23-year head coach for the University of Washington women's soccer team in Seattle, Leslie Gallimore, who will be the NSCAA president in 2018. A great show. On behalf of everybody at the NSCAA, including our CEO, Lynn Berling-Manuel, our director of marketing, Sean Chevrel. I'm Dean Linke. Happy holidays, and we'll see you next week as part of the NSCAA podcast, Convention Style. When you join the National Soccer Coaches Association of America, you join a community who live and breathe the beautiful game just like you do. You join a network of individuals who share many of the same issues, concerns, and questions as you. The NSCAA is dedicated to serving coaches at every level of the game in a number of ways through advocacy, education, and service. Be a part of the coaching community. Learn more and join at NSCAA.com.